politics has never been stranger or more online, which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Travis? Yes. Adam? Bo? Shrek? Donkey! Ogre or troll? So what for like are you supposed to be? Some kind of giant mutant leprechaun or something? <laughs> oh, 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 you made it funny. Ogre. Ogre. When have you ever heard the phrase, as sweet as an ogre, or as nurturing as an ogre, or how about, you're gonna love my dad. He's a real ogre. Well, okay. I distinctly had that wrong. But um, I, I do wonder about trolls because one person's troll is another person's uh, freedom fighter. Is that not true? Online, at least. Mm. I don't know. An awful lot of people who are trolls are not freedom fighters well but you know what i mean like they think they are and that's that's the reality if that's i mean you are what you think you are sometimes at least these days so these trolls they could be i'll give you an example the first episode of what the hack with adam levin you the first episode featured my friend roy and me we were dangerous people no we were just trolling we were trolling um uh, Trumpies on Parlor and Telegram. It went from lurking to trolling. I mean, I got kicked out of like room after room and we'd go to like a different Parlor room. Um, but just... you were being, you were being very, very provocative as I recall. Remember the hack, Travis? I forget how it worked. It was a, it was a, a roof lizard, right? Uh, no, it was a evil clown in a scary image of an evil clown. <laughs> oh no, I meant the technology, not. The, oh yeah, steganographic <laughs> hacking. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was an image of, a, of an evil clown that popped up on his uh, screen, and it triggered some malware that was already in his computer. So tell me, puppet, where is Shrek? <gasps> With Roy, I you know I distinctly remember that was right when Donald Trump was deplatformed from Twitter, and uh, Parler had been taken offline, and. When we were, quote unquote, trolling them on those platforms, we were really freedom fighters. We were. We were like, Who are, these people are dangerous and we're going to get in there and try and persuade them that their ideas are dangerous. So I put it to you. Are trolls ever good or are they always bad? Are you now a crusader for the forces of good? No, I mean, I wouldn't claim that. I, 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 yes, we were being crusaders for the forces of good. Sadly... You know, you don't get to decide if you are, you know, the messiah for somebody. That's just not how it works. Yeah, I have to say a troll is a troll is a troll. 
Right, so we were wrong. We were kind of like, you go into someone's house and you start breaking dishes and they should ask you to leave, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have a lot of uh, sympathy for the people that you and Roy were going after, but at the same time, that just justifies their worldview to them of saying, look, they're coming after us. And that's just <laughs> coming right at us. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And I, well, and remember, I, and I, the whole the whole concept of trolldom, as it were, is yeah. it was originally people who had strong beliefs that were following other people for the purpose of trying to make them see the light. Unfortunately, then, it became those who wished to annoy for the joy of annoying. Well, you know, to get to, to you know, to, um, I forget what it's called when you, when you make a liberal feel bad, owning a liberal, I guess. But the, the, you know, there's another kind of trolling, which is really a lot darker. And that is when a, a sociopath just starts to say horrible things about you. And really just to hurt your feelings or really to traumatize you. And, and, um, and that exists too. And those cyber bullies are an entirely different kettle of fish. I like to tell myself, except that, you know, when we were on that uh, telegram thread, I, I think that they perceived us and they felt us to be, uh, just as mean and triggering as I would find them on some platform I was on. So it, it, it really is sort of your mileage may vary except when there is a kind of sociopath who's going after you to say that something you experienced, something traumatic, isn't valid, and you have no right to be traumatized. That is a different class of troll altogether. Well, and remember, we didn't, we didn't used to have situations where there were facts and alternative facts. In the old days, it was a fact is a fact is a fact. You could have different interpretations of the fact, but it's still a fact. Uh, but at the end of the day, what it's given rise to, what's made mainstream, is trolling. Because now you can say things that are not true, and you will have a community of people chiming in and saying they're absolutely right. Yeah, no, it's you can you can the, 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 there can be whole shoals of trolls. Shoals of trolls. Welcome to What the Hack, a show about hackers, scammers, and the people they go after. I'm Adam Levin, Titanic anti-troll warrior. Please don't come after me for saying that. <laughs> and I'm Bo Friedlander. I am everyone's favorite pinata. And I'm Travis Taylor, Cyber Billy Goat Gruff. Today's episode might sound a little different than you'd expect, but trust me, it's a worthwhile listen. In the intro, you heard us mention our first ever episode where our friend Rory got hacked while trolling online. I'd like you to think of this episode as a sort of companion piece, looking at what it's like to be on the receiving side of trolling. And today we're talking with writer Megan Carpentier about the toils and the trauma of internet trolls. Let's talk about weight loss. Most of us have been there, struggling with the ups and downs. You lose some weight, then it creeps back. But forget those endless cycles of juice cleanses, soup diets, and the latest fad workouts. There's a better way. The Rope Body Program pairs a weekly weight loss shot with a real lifestyle change so you can lose weight and actually keep it off. Need support? Rose got you covered every step of the way. And guess what? You can do it all from the comfort of your own home. No more doctor's appointments, no more waiting rooms. It's that simple. Ready to take charge of your weight? 
head over to row.co slash Adam to sign up today. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in a year. That's with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash Adam. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash A-D-A-M. So here's the deal. I use Yahoo Finance. I use it to make money because it works, not just because they're a sponsor of the show. Heck, I've been using them for years before they ever called to become a sponsor. I do a lot of investing and I need to make split second financial decisions. And that's where Yahoo Finance comes in. I trade stocks and I trade options and you can't trade them in a vacuum. You've got to know what's going on. Yahoo Finance gives you the opportunity to look at the whole picture. I mean, breaking news, editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts. I love the customizable charts. They have it all. At Yahoo Finance, I'm part of a community of over 90 million users. You heard me. 90 million folks use Yahoo Finance because they're helping you on your way to financial success. Visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com, yahoofinance.com. So, Megan, uh, first of all, where are you located? I am in Queens, actually. Don't. The do, 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 what? Don't tell him anything. He'll have to. Queens is the best borough. Okay. True. Sorry. I'm from Flushing originally, so I don't disagree. So, right. Yeah. It's very important. Uh, and what do you do out in uh, Queens? Well, right now I'm a freelance journalist. So I do some reporting and some editing for the website of Oxygen. And um, I am working on a few other projects as well. Do you uh, have any uh, specific area of expertise that you're reporting on? Or is it... um, most of what I'm doing for Oxygen is crime reporting. But honestly, if it's a beat, I've probably written or reported about it. So I, I like to say I'm the only writer who probably had simultaneous bylines in foreign policy and Us Weekly. Wow. Yeah, that is uh, quite the range, certainly. <laughs> and in terms of crime, uh, it sounds like a weird question, but given how popular true, tr uh, true crime has gotten, what's your favorite type of crime to cover? Um, <laughs> I guess the ones that get solved where families um, and loved ones get some sort of justice. I think it's hard to cover crimes where, um, you know, the, the person gets away with it and somebody's um, family has a lot of unanswered questions. And I think that uh, can bring us around to our, uh, the topic of this is trolls, because as we all know, they're very rarely, if ever, brought to justice. And we're not talking about the kind of ones that hang under bridges. We're talking about the ones that are coming up out of the slime, actually. Well, no, people actually get famous nowadays being trolls. Yeah. I mean... I mean, I think it very much depends on the kind of trolling and how you define trolling. I think, um, you know, if we want to stick to maybe a bet, like the best kind of definition, you know, a troll is someone who, um, or a group of uh, someone or a group of people who are looking to inspire negative emotional reactions in other people, um, without purpose other than to be mean. So I think a lot of things get kind of pulled into the definition of trolling, um, whether that's doxing or, um, you know, sort of call out, you know, culture. Um, but I think in general, trolling is, is, is less purposeful than especially what people consider cancel culture or call out culture. It's really just designed to make you feel terrible about well, yourself. 
Let's play a quick little quiz. Tro you know, troll or not troll. Ready? <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, Alex Jones. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Well, Alex does a lot of things on his shows that would be considered trolling if it were on social media. And I think you can see in the recent Sandy Hook case, um, essentially they were suing him for what he was doing on the show, which was um, pretending that uh, the families were actors and the kids weren't really killed in the massacre. Um, so within a certain, but was he, he was doing that with a purpose, which was to make money for himself. Um, and that's what the courts eventually ruled when he stopped participating in the in the case. Um, but the reason I brought up Alex Jones, and thanks for for getting into who he is and what he did. Um, but I mean, among other terrible things he's done. To me, that does seem like trolling to tell someone from you know the Sandy Hook uh, massacre, the shooting at the at that elementary school um, was traumatic for the whole nation, and um, and had a pretty hefty. Um, fatality um there and 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 this is a man who was telling people who'd lost family members their own children that it didn't happen that it was a hoax excuse me i'm sorry i'm out of control i apologize for that well the question is does he believe that or is he doing that to hurt their feelings and i think in many cases at least his listeners and and the people that picked up on this messages you know they really did believe it i disagree so much fundamentally I'm a good guy. And that's sort of the difficulty when you get into the question of what trolling is and what trolling isn't is, is it's about motivation. But I mean, so many, you know, crimes and not crimes are about motivation. Um, and so, you know, you're left attributing, you know, feelings and thoughts to people's actions, which is difficult. You know, I would say, you know, part of the problem actually that these families, not just in Sandy Hook, but in, in other places like Parkland have been coping with is that you know, some of these people probably don't really believe the things that they're saying, but they're getting famous by saying it, which is more trolling. And some people honestly believe these conspiracy theories. And I would suggest that, you know, within that, um, within those sort of categories, it's sometimes hard to distinguish who's doing it because they're getting famous and who's doing it because they believe it and are getting famous. Okay, I can't remember her name. She's a comedian and she was extremely good at imitating Donald Trump oh, and yeah. on Instagram. Yes, yes. Sarah, I believe her name was. Sarah Cooper. Yeah. Now, Sarah Cooper trolled the heck out of Donald Trump. And also, she got famous doing it, so she's making a living doing it. Hey, everybody, welcome back to A Late Show. My next guest is a comedian, author, and TikTok star, best known for her viral Donald Trump lip syncs. Please welcome to A Late Show, Sarah Cooper. Hey, Sarah. Troll or not hey, troll? Steven, how Mm. She got famous making fun of Donald Trump. You know, was she, did she expect for Donald Trump to see her video for her TikToks? Probably not. Did she, you know, is making fun of a, you know, famous person protected speech? Absolutely. And it's both, um, it's protected from libel and slander laws in the United States as well. But it goes um, to the emotional question, Megan, about what trolling is. Well, because Trump, once he did see those, for sure felt triggered by them. Well, I think he had, you know, he had negative reactions to most critiques by most people. So, mm -hmm. and I think most people have negative reactions to critiques. Like so was CNN, was, all right, so Sarah Cooper, troll or not troll? I would say not troll. Okay, CNN, Trump troll or not Trump troll? 
not Trump troll. As, a, as an organization, no. Yeah. Fox News, Biden troll or not Biden troll? As an organization, no. Okay, so what can an organization ever be a troll? I don't think, I mean, an organization is difficult to attribute motivation to because it's made up of a group of many people. But like when um, MAGA, for example, starts to, as a group. What is MAGA? Who's MAGA? Group, MAGA is groupthink around Trump. But that's not, you can't say, I mean, to say that they're, that like everyone that likes Trump is like inherently part of a troll it seems absolutely not part of the definition, which is why it's difficult to sort of parse these ideas out um, because the the term has come in public discourse to mean anybody I kind of disagree with or who disagrees with things I like um, and does anything that, you know, in response to that. And I don't think, again, like critique is not trolling. I think the more you the more you sort of think about it, like you have to go back to kind of the original definite, the original idea of trolling, which was a group of people where certain people would get together and literally just try to hurt other people's feelings or, you know, create, you know, negativity that had nothing to do with reality or legitimate critique, you know, to go after, you know, there were literally used to be trolls that would look at the obituaries and then go call, like find phone numbers and call people's houses and be like, your bitch daughter deserved to die. Like, so that's trolling. I think everything else, you know, we've, well, that, we've come to that, a place. I mean, yeah, no, you you took the levity out of it, which is fine. It, this was a balloon that deserved to get popped. But the no, but, um, but also the other thing too levity is out of everything. the other thing too is we were you know when we talked about the uh, Sarah Cooper parody can also be it's it's absolutely a legitimate form of commentary no 100 percent. but without if you parody somebody's death for example no that's there is no parody on that This spring, get out there, enjoy the weather, and recapture the magic of riding a bike with electric e-bike. With an amazing variety of models built for riders of all abilities, it's never been easier to fall in love with riding again. Plus, every electric e-bike ships free and only requires quick, toolless assembly. This is my first ever e-bike, and the experience has just been great. I was a little bit intimidated at first because I hadn't gone biking in a while, but the 500-watt motor that the electric e-bike comes with really gives you a nice little boost, especially if you're trying to go uphill or pick up some speed. Data shows that e-bike riders take their bike out more often. That means... You get more exercise, more exploration, and wait for it, fresh air. And riding an e-bike isn't like, it's not cheating. It's just making it possible for you to be out there longer on each ride. And speaking of things going a little slower, you can finance electric e-bike for as little as $49 a month. Get into spring with electric e-bikes, the number one selling e-bikes in the nation. Get your adventure started at electricebikes.com. And please mention that What the Hack with Adam Levin sent you in the post-checkout survey. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. 
I've been trolled a bit, and I know you have too, Megan. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a woman on the internet. Do you think that internet trolling counts as a kind of cybercrime or should? I think it depends on, you know, again, like we have to think about this in terms of the First Amendment and free speech, you know, like how far can you go as a troll before it's harassment? And I think there are really well-documented cases of trolling as legitimate criminal harassment that goes over the line. You know, so like there are times that like I've been subjected to trolling where like it sucks. I'm not gonna like pretend to anybody that's subject to this, that, that, it's, that it's a fun experience or that's something that you can ignore because we're here to talk about it. But mm -hmm. I think the difference is, is like not everything that like sucks is a crime. And especially when it comes to speech, you don't necessarily want it to be. So I think that's the problem. You know, like when you get into situations and in trolling, like very often trolling can involve doxing, which is getting, you know, the personal contact information of especially non-public officials and making that public for other people to harass them or to swap them, which is to say, like, make a fake call to police that there's a violent incident happening at the time where right. the SWAT team might be called out. And I think those are and those have been prosecuted when they've been able to find those offenders. Um, and doxing can have pretty serious consequences on social media platforms. And depending on how that information is used, you can be held criminally and certainly civilly liable. But just, you know, being mean to people, I think it's unfortunately like a product of the internet age. And, you know, when it doesn't cross the line into harassment or dangerous behavior, um, people are unfortunately just gonna have to cope with it because other humans suck. But where is the line, for instance, between trolling and bullying? I don't know that there is a line. Yeah. I mean, like, I think most trolling is intended to be bullying. Um, and that's, I mean, that's part of the difficulty is you have actual adults, like, going around trying to bully absolute strangers in many cases. And, you know, again, it would be nice if we were all more mature than that. It would be lovely if, if um, you know, nobody enjoyed hurting other people's feelings but unfortunately humans suck yeah but it's not just about hurting feelings because the one time i was really trolled was when i um went after glenn beck after uh he went after somebody on a listserv that i was on um who i don't need to drag into this and um i i wrote a rather ineffective piece of satire that um got you know, got dragged by Gawker and a few other places. And then um, I I took it down and I never really talked about why I took it down because it was posted on Huffington Post. And the, the reason I took it down, and the reason Huffington Post freaked out was because it, within, minute, within 20 minutes, I had gotten doxxed and threatened and um, with my... my um, the route that I took my kids to school with. And I don't know that that's, that's bullying. It goes beyond, it goes beyond that. That's starts to be something I think that is against the law that should be against the law. Obviously that person wanted you to feel negative emotions, not just to hurt feelings. Terror. He wanted you to be scared. Yeah. yeah. And that's part of trolling, trolling. I mean, terror is a negative emotion. Fear is a negative emotion. That is like that, like that is sometimes exactly what trolls intend for you to feel. Um, and I think the, the question is, you know, unfortunately in a case like that, is that against federal law? Is that against state law? It's, you know, how far did that information get shared? You know, and I think you see this happening 
especially right now, you see this happening in many cases to school officials, to you know local election officials. Um, and I think as this is happening more and more, um, larger segments of society are going to be subjected to it for you know less and less legitimate reasons because people suck. And there is a certain segment of the population that believes that you deserve to feel fear if they disagree with you or if they don't like you or if you've done something that's like against their, you know, belt on shaolong. So, you know, I, again, I think it's, it's important to understand that like just right now, some of these things are not against the law. Um, you know, in most cases to establish even, you know, a harassment case or a stalking case, you need more than one instant. Um, <laughs> which I know for a fact. Uh, so, you know, it's unfortunate that that is sort of where we stand as a society that, you know, many, many people have decided that this behavior is okay and acceptable um, in response to things they don't like on the internet. But, you know, again, the balance uh, between free speech and, you know, your right to live without fear or harassment is, is always a difficult one um, in our society. And I think a lot of people feel like that balance is no longer being well struck, but at the same time, like the law and, and particularly the law enforcement hasn't caught up with the reality of what is going on in people's lives on the internet for many cases. So Megan, have you, you've had instances obviously of being the target of trolls. Mm -hmm. Can you tell a couple of the stories? Sure. Um, I mean, I should say, you know, in my case, a lot of it um, happened before social media um, was really more ubiquitous in our lives. And I think in that I was very lucky because it's much easier to turn it off and walk away from it when it's not on social media, um, because social media is on your phone and you're getting alerts and it's going all day. Um, but in, in the first case, uh, I had written something and honestly, like, I don't even remember what it was. And a woman who was reading the, the site I was writing for got really angry about it. And she left a bunch of, you know, inappropriate comments. And the comment threads were, of course, monitored and, you know, things that were inappropriate were deleted. And the more she felt like she couldn't attract my attention and make me feel bad for having written it, the angrier she got. Hmm. And so at the end of the day, she bought a domain name um, and put up a whole website called Megan Carpentier's The Ugliest Survivor of Abortion, which technically is an insult to my mother. Um, and, you know, it wasn't the first time I'd been harassed. It was one of the more creative times. But the other thing is she used pictures of me from my own site, from my own blog, in most cases. And the problem with that, of course, is that I own the copyrights to those things. Yeah. So it was quote, both quite easy to get her site taken down. But it was also because of the way that she'd bought the domain. And, and again, in 2007, there were less protections for domain name buyers. Um, I was able to figure out with some help very easily who she was. Um, and so I put that information up on my blog and I said, this is, I didn't put her, I mean, I didn't put her contact info. You didn't I just, dox her. I didn't dox her, but I did reveal her name to people. And because she had become so obsessed with me, she saw it. And I found pictures of her. And I said, if she wants to have a debate about who's uglier, let's open this up to the internet. Oh, <laughs> you trolled her? I did troll her. <laughs> Um, you know, I said, like, if this is, if this is the debate you want, if this is the, if this is the playing field, let's get on the playing field together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, suddenly that site came down really quickly and they just had a detente because like, she did not want, she did not want to be 
de-anonymized de in any way. She didn't want to have a debate about who was ugly. What she was trying to do was hurt my feelings. And the thing is, is like, I've lived in this body now for 44 years, but at the time for 30 years, I know what I look like. I know I have a big nose, thank you. Like, you know, I, I'm pretty well aware. And if you want to tell me that I'm ugly, I mean, good luck, ma'am. You're not the first, you're not going to be the last. I'm going to get uglier. Um, I've probably been uglier. I make weird faces when I talk. These things do not bother me. And so, but you know, because that's where she went because that would be the thing that bothered her. And I think that's the most important thing to know about anonymous trolls in many cases is when they are doing these sort of insult war things, they don't know you. They don't know what bothers you. They don't know what hurts your feelings. They're telling you what they think will hurt their feelings based either on long experience trolling or what hurts their feelings. And this is a this is something I've told a lot of women writers over the years. It's like when someone gets on the internet and tells you that you're fat and unfuckable and thus your opinions don't matter, what they're telling you is that they themselves are afraid that they are fat and unfuckable and their opinions don't matter. And then like you can do whatever you want with that information. You can be hurt by someone telling you how their own feelings will be hurt or you can be like why does this person's opinion about my appearance or my ability matter to me oh you like that word <laughs> you know and this also this also brings up the issue of just an anonymity i mean you know the, the the empowering nature of anonymity sometimes sometimes and i will say the other incident that, that um i know i think bo knows about um is that I've been trolled by non-anonymous people. You know, I had a, um, I'll tell you, the founder of the Proud Boys. I met one night years ago at a friend's party to which he was not invited. Oh my to gosh, her also the found, one of the founders of Vice. Um, and he just really didn't like my face. And I really didn't like his face. So the feeling was very mutual. And we had sort of a um, little bit of an argument, let's say, at, you know, about two thirds of the way through which I realized that he was a racist and I don't talk to racists at parties. So I was like, you know what? I don't talk to racists at parties. I learned from, they might be giants. So I'm going to head off. Um, you have a nice <laughs> night. Uh, there's literally a song about that from like 1995. And he didn't like that. And so he had a very small little non-trafficked website at the time. And he wrote a very long post about how I was ugly and I was slutty and I wasn't really raped because anybody raped wouldn't be as slutty as I was. And then he proceeded to send this to people that he thought were my work colleagues and other people that were friends with my work colleagues to make sure it was brought to my attention in attention, you know, in some effort to get me to feel bad, which I mean, an ugly racist thinks I'm ugly. I mean, my, my day is really ruined here. Um, Gavin but, McGinnis. You know, we're talking about Gavin McGinnis, who's also one of the founders of vice. They've since disowned him, but um, he, uh, yeah, I mean, he he, yeah, he he has a um, very scraggly swamp chinchilla on his face, and he's not a nice man. Um, and he's, you know, and come I, at me, and bro. He was not, yeah, he was not a nice man. And the thing was, is like it didn't matter that it was under his name. Mm. You know, that's and you can see it clearly. Still doesn't care that all of the terrible things he continues to do with his life are all under his name. So I think that for some people, anonymity is empowering, but I think you can also get in the comment threads of any news post under a legitimate news site and see lots of people on Facebook, mostly our grandparents or parents, under their own names, saying really terrible things to each other. Well, I mean, that's that was what I was getting at. You know, there was a, there were two things come to mind. So, Ann, you know, Ann Coulter is the first one who comes to mind because I'm that old. 
And I and 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 I you know there's a certain point where the Gavin McGinnises and the Ann Coulters of the world, you have to wonder: Are they doing this to make a living? Are they doing it to make money? And I know for a fact from people who know Ann Coulter. Sorry, Ann Coulter, if you're listening, feel free to come on the show and tell me how I'm wrong. Uh, I don't know if you saw this or, or not. Uh, in an interview last night, Ann Coulter, do you know much about Ann Coulter? Well, not too much. She's no. apparently a political pundit. Oh, yes. Political pundit. <laughs> yeah. Well, last night she said Bill Clinton is gay. Yeah. She, she mentioned that Bill Clinton, former President Bill Clinton, is gay, and it's a peculiar charge, but it has prompted uh, Bill Clinton to issue this explanation. Take a look. In an interview this week on CNBC, conservative pundit Ann Coulter claimed that Bill Clinton is a homosexual. And while the former president admits he once told Coulter that he's gay, it was simply a polite excuse to explain why he wasn't hitting on her bony ass. Bill Clinton, only gay when it comes to evil, crazy b****. She doesn't believe a lick of what she says. She just knows that it's a way to make some dough and, and to be a, uh, a lightning rod and to be a problem and, and to be a troll. And so, so I wonder, you know, if that actually counts as trolling and if it, you kind of brought it up in the beginning, like if you're making a living from it, from your hate, does it count? And the other thing is, you know, I'm actually interested in how, how to troll-proof your life and... And as a dad, I'll say that I've seen my child troll somebody and I've seen my child be trolled. And, um, it, you know, I personally, my, my solution is Mr. Miyagi's solution in The Karate Kid. The best way to avoid a punch is to not be there. But what, it, what do you do and what is, what is some good advice for children today who are more on the firing lines for this sort of behavior? I would say two things. One is I think you see that, that kids are much more used to this discourse than adults. Um, I think you can see that with Greta Thunberg, if you want to take a very prominent example. I think you can see that on TikTok. If you look at comments on TikTok and responses on TikTok, you know, there is sort of a level of the coarsening of discourse that they've seen from their elders that they are imitating as kids will imitate anything. And so I'm not sure that kids take it as seriously as we take it all the time. There's certainly instances of children being bullied. There are certainly um, times where it gets really bad, but the sort of like one-off kind of like being mean to each other in sort of a funny way is like, I think like often taken less seriously by kids than we take it. But I think the other thing is, you know, all of these services allow you to block people. All of these services allow you to curate your experience by understanding how the algorithms work. And I, I joke with people, but I have I block everybody on Twitter because the thing is, is there is definitely a networked effect on, of trolling on social media. And whether that's pylons because other people see it happening and want to get in on it, or whether, whether it's deliberately coordinated behavior, which also occurs, or a combination thereof, you can just not look at it, you know? And by blocking people, you prevent them from seeing you, um, and you prevent any sort of multiple accounts that they have from seeing you if they're using, you know, a service like TweetDeck to um, engage in networked behavior. And you're just sort of saying like, I'm not, I'm, you can continue doing this, whatever makes you happy, but I'm not going to look at it. And so your efforts to get my attention are going to fall on deaf ears. 
you know, I don't keep much on my Facebook profile that's public. I do not accept friend requests from people that I don't know, even if they know friends of mine. Um, I keep my Instagram private because I'm not trying to be an influencer. I'm trying to put pictures of my cat so that my friends think it's cute. You know, that's, you know, you can choose what to engage in online and how most people, I mean, obviously journalists being somewhat different, but the more you curate your own experience rather than allow an algorithm them to do it for you, the more you can create situations, the more you can, in, in Mr. Miyagi's uh, terms, not be there for the punch. Mm. Um, and I've been doing this since 2014. Mm -hmm. I have some multiple of the people who follow me blocked. And I'll tell you, um, I realized that it was very effective during Gamergate, which occurred in 2014, which was sort of this mass trolling of women, um, and especially in the gamer industry, but also sort of that were online feminists. And of course, I used to write for an online feminist site very prominently. It's video games, violent depictions of women being beaten, raped and run over by cars. And now the women calling for change in this multi-billion dollar virtual industry are facing a very real backlash, including death threats. Here's my Nightline co-anchor, Juju Chang. For Anita Sarkeesian, this is the new normal armed escorts at public events, tracking her every move. I'm constantly aware of the fact that um, there's an enormous amount of hate directed towards me. Hate in the form of bomb threats, rape threats, even death threats. On this morning, high alert at Loyola University in Chicago. It's Anita's first speaking engagement since threats of a shooting massacre forced her to cancel her last appearance. What started as an online spat about the ethics of gaming journalism quickly escalated into a full-blown culture war. Women shouldn't be mere disposable objects or symbolic pawns in stories about men. And a small but hardcore group of gamers resistant to change. And so when I saw it start to bubble up and particularly affect some of my colleagues at The Guardian at the time, I just would go through like the nasty replies to them and block every person. And what was interesting is like very few of those accounts had many followers and they all followed each other. So it was very clearly like networked campaigning. It wasn't endogenous. Um, and the more of those people I blocked, the less that I saw. And so at one point I just you know, because I'm a little bit of a masochist, searched my own name and Gamergate and found that in fact, like they had tried to troll me by t pulling one of my old articles from like 2009 and putting it through the sort of Gamergate thing. But because I had so many of those network accounts blocked, none of them bothered to tag my name. And so I didn't see it until I went looking for it. And then I was like, haha, I win. But it also would have been a lot bigger had you been taggable. I mean, if you can't, if you can't, because they're not interested in talking to themselves, really. They're yeah. interested in making sure you know they're mad. They're interested in you feeling fear. They're interested in affecting your life in some way. And I can just not engage in that. You know, I said something online two years ago uh, that, you know, a bunch of people got really mad at. And it was very weird because all of the replies seemed to be the same. And I was like, this is clearly my worked behavior. And I just started blocking people. And then like one of them was like, why are you blocking everybody? You can still see. I was like, nope, I'm blocking you too, man. Like, I don't care. I don't, I'm not required to read it. It's my internet on my computer. I can just not read your harassment. And it stopped because they're not interested in, they're not interested in, in just saying it for it to be said. They're not interested in being seen in the replies by other people. They want me to see it. They want me to know that they're angry. They want me to feel some sort of like icky way about it. And I don't have to do that. I can choose.
Do you ever run the risk, though, that if you're blocking somebody who really has is carrying a torch, that they're going to try to find more uh, physical ways in the real world of getting to you if they can't get to you online? Like a tiki well, torch, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say that that most of this, again, there's so many things you can be mad at at the internet. There's so many women you can harass on the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, it, when it's a one-off campaign like that, no, I'm not. You know, I think um, in the situations where there's been somebody much more dedicated to um, some sort of, there there was a situation where a man who's was fired from a job and I got his job and he was very angry about that and somehow everything that was bad in his life was my fault. I got over um, it. that's nice i'm glad um but no and so like i mean honestly like i went to the local precinct they were like we can't do anything till he does something i was like oh i remember this tune Mm -hmm. so again like but i didn't engage i didn't reply to the emails i saved the emails but i didn't reply to the emails i didn't reply you know reply like if i saw something you know on a google alert with my name didn't engage with it and eventually he got bored because there were other people to be mad at that were giving him the feedback that he wanted well, maybe and you could also create a you, you could create a list for people going, listen, <laughs> now that I blocked you, here are some other people that you can go and troll and good luck. Well, <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't encourage you to like, you know, I don't encourage people to do that necessarily. But I do think, again, like the, the base understanding is that these people are looking to get an emotional reaction they and a negative emotional reaction. They're looking to make you feel fear. They're looking for you to have that sinking pit in the middle of your stomach. And you don't have to. I mean, you should monitor your own behavior you know you should be like okay i'm not going to say some you know terribly racist thing online that people are going to disagree with if people disagree with you online feels bad but you know i do think you know you can engage on the internet with things that you like on the internet you don't have to engage in this negativity and you don't have to put up with negativity that's being directed at you A lot of what you're talking about are uh, sort of individual responses and individual activity and responsibility. How much responsibility do you think that uh, social networks, for instance, bear for trolling activity? I know that's been a lot in the news a lot with uh, Facebook. Well, that and that brings up, Travis, to just piggyback on that. That brings up, Megan had brought up networked behavior. And I I think that, you know, what Megan's describing here is essentially... um, short sheeting the mm-hmm. algorithm well i think i'm describing two things one is it's very clear that there are sites like 4chan used to be and 8 kind is now where people actually like gather and decide who they're going to troll that day um and engage in that behavior um but also you know it's my opinion and a lot of this gets borne out like over the years when actual researchers look into it that there's actually just networked bots that people have put together either bots or like multiple accounts or multiple accounts using, you know, Twitter's own services like TweetDeck um, that they use to talk to each other and to amplify harassment because this, the algorithm on Twitter works on like how many tweets does something get. What Twitter doesn't look at in many cases is IP addresses, though when they're pressed to do so, they can be very effective at blocking these networks. And I think there are multiple examples that you can you can find where like someone's been blocked, but then a lot of their other accounts are blocked as well, because Twitter does have the ability to block at the IP level address. But that means, say, if me and my roommate are both using our internet connection, we're both on Twitter and they block by IP address me, they've also blocked my roommate. Um, which is why they say they can't do that on a broader basis. But I think if you are looking at like a home-based IP address, 
which Twitter can do, and you see 500 accounts attached to it, you can be pretty sure that that's network behavior. No, but but, but for Twitter, well, there. but for Twitter and for Facebook, who which has the same problem of fake accounts, um, even though they say that they don't, and they say that it's all you know named whatever, the problem is that they make money based on based in part on the number of users. Exactly. And so there's no great incentive for them to limit users to one account in many cases. No, but it's not just the users to one account, Megan. It, what you're saying is absolutely correct. They're, they're, the, it's, it, the algorithm is designed to create discord uh, in a lot of cases. It's, it's designed to create arguments because that's what people are going to go after that negative emotion faster than they're going to go after the positive emotion of looking at your cats 100% every time. Instagram can tell when your account's been taken over. They know. They don't care. Well, we've had a number of people on the show who have uh, have had their accounts hacked and it's been, I mean, you know, short of getting the federal government involved, uh, they, they it's been almost impossible to get it back. Yeah, I mean, I had a colleague at one of the newspapers I worked for, his Facebook account got hacked um, by someone who had the same name and wanted the account and paid presumably someone to hack it. And I knew people at Facebook and even every contact I was able to get there couldn't get him his account back, even though he was a, like basically a journalist at a major you know, international newspaper. Just could not get anybody's attention to prove that his account had been hacked, even though that person was actually using it to do yep. things. But I think even just you know turning on two-factor authentication is really easy. The Using the Authenticator app, using something. We could, we could go on forever because you are completely fascinating and this is an awesome conversation, but unfortunately our time is limited. <laughs> this was awesome. So we, we're really privileged you were here. We appreciate the fact that you came. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thanks. Megan, I want you to get scammed. I know this is going to be hard for you because you really pay attention, but get scammed so we can hear about it. Or you can tell us you can tell us all the different times that people tried to scam you and you beat them back. Or you could tell us about the times you scammed the scammers. Yes. <laughs> With uh, what Megan was talking about, just made me think of um, this fairly recent news story that um, the, the a server, an email server belonging to the FBI, was hacked recently, and someone just sent out a bunch of really, really weird messages uh, claiming to be uh, acting on behalf of the, uh, I think it was the NSA. What were like? What were the messages? Were they emails? Yeah, there were emails, and it was a warning of some huge new type of threat, but written in kind of broken English and uh, mentioning a couple of hackers by name and things like that. It was obviously not um, sent by the FBI, but it looked like it was because it was coming from their uh, email server. Okay. So obviously one of the hackers decided to rat out a few other hackers as part of their civic duty. Is that what happened, Right, Travis? there you go. <laughs> but what it ended up being, um, 
this cybersecurity researcher uh, identified the guy behind it because um, the guy, the hacker behind this, was someone who had been trolling that cybersecurity researcher. So he he was actually able to take a look at the message and say, "This sounds like something that guy would say." That's always uh, you know harassing me with these emails. Hmm. Uh, and lo and behold, he was wow. right. Wow. Well, that's actually how the Unabomber got caught. That sounds like my brother. Hmm. Yeah. So that's how he got caught. Was just that somebody noticed the same pattern. He hasn't been caught, but he was identified. So oh. they said, "This is this is this hacker that goes by this name." I got trolling is such a specific thing, and um, the idea that that um, it's as Megan was bringing up, it's personal. So it does make sense that there would be an FBI agent who would say, "I recognize this person because they're trolling me constantly." I'm sure it's this person. Hey, listen. Speaking of th taking things personally, yeah. Why don't you troll Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review? Nice. What the Hack with Adam Levin is a production of Loud Tree Media. It's produced by Andrew Stephen. You can find us online at loudtreemedia.com and on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Adam K. Levin.